Welcome. I'm so glad uh, to be here with you guys. And as always, I want to welcome our Boynton campus, uh, as well as everyone at Church at Home, because we're one church in all of these locations. And um, this series that we are in, I believe, is so foundationally important to every one of you. And I'm so excited about it, because we're talking about the literal foundations of our faith. Why we believe, and what we believe, and why we believe what we believe about God, and eternity, and the Bible, and the Holy Spirit, and and, and you, and how you and God work, and how all of it comes together. And my heartbeat in this series is for too long, Christians kind of have a vague understanding. I believe in God, or I I believe there's a Bible, or an afterlife, and I, I understand Jesus died, but we don't fully understand how all of it works together. And so the heart of this series is to take things that sometimes can be complicated. Sometimes we go, well, that's not for me. That's what the pastors don't. And to help everyone begin to understand, oh, that's how it works. Oh, that's what it means. Because when you understand your faith and you understand your relationship with God, that your faith and your relationship with God is the most essential thing in your life to have success in this life, not just get to heaven. And we're going to learn a little bit about that today. And so each week over this series, we're going to kind of pick a topic that I think is found foundational, and we're going to really dive in. It's going to be like a class, right? Hopefully I have some more fun than class, but we're going to, it's going to be like a class to help educate and understand. And, and last week, um, we began to deal with what I believe was the most important part of the foundation of our faith, and we dealt with and looked at what is called in the Bible the covenant of salvation and began to understand it. And we answered four questions last week, um, and then we answered these questions. Why do I need to be saved? Right? Why did Jesus have to die to save me? Like that was, that was the big one, right? Why in the world was the bloodshed? Why did there need to be bloodshed for us to enter into a covenant of salvation with God? How do I get saved? What do I do? And what happens when I get saved? And if you missed last week, I just want to encourage you. You got to go to our website and you got to watch it. You have to. Like it was probably, uh, probably more feedback from last week's message, by the way. We had over 75 people make the decision to give their lives to Christ across our campuses last week. And and so I just want to encourage you. You need to know that. You need to understand that. In fact, a lot of people said, I had to go back and rewatch it to take notes and get all the scriptures. And I'm telling you, each week, I want to encourage you to do that. That that now's not the time to write a bunch of stuff down. Just let this wash over you. And as you want to grow and as you develop your faith, go back, watch this, write everything down, and you're going to begin to understand salvation and what it means and as part of it. By the way, it's also a great opportunity to share. Go to our YouTube channel. Share this with your friends on social media because maybe they need to truly understand salvation. And so that's where we started last week. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to move from this idea of understanding salvation as a covenant that Jesus and God made with each other that we get in on. And today we're going to move into transformation. In other words, it's great that God saved us, thank God, and he rescued us and he loves us unconditionally. He's adopted us as our children through faith in Jesus Christ. But the now the struggle that we have is we still got some junk in our lives, right? Like there's a long time, hopefully, between now and when we get to heaven. And so what do we do with the junk and the brokenness that is in our lives? What was God's plan, I want you to hear this, to transform you? So that you aren't the same person you were when you came to Christ. Like, what, what is God's plan? And we're going to look at the foundational understanding of God's plan to transform you into the person that you want to be and that God designed and created you to be. And actually, it's literally to, to live and to love like 
Jesus. And so today, we're going to kind of understand this foundational truth. And so to understand this, uh, like salvation, we're going to go back almost 700 years before Jesus. Because 700 years before Jesus, God actually revealed not just his plan, but he gave us a promise of how he's going to get into your life and help transform you into the person that you want to be. And you're going to learn this because it's such a powerful thing. Um, as we walk through and understand, so many of us are trying and striving to get it right, and we wonder why we can't. And today you're going to learn God's plan and God's promise and God's process to transform every single one of us. And so we're going to go um, to the book of Ezekiel. He is a prophet. And 700 years before Jesus, around that time, uh, God actually revealed both the plan and the promise to transform you. And I want you to hear what it is because it's powerful. And it's not a list of rules. It's not this religion. Look at the promise that God has made you and I. God speaking through the prophet to you and I says this, I am going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone, right? What happens when the world has beat us up and all the things we walk through in our lives can harden, can break, can put some unhealthy things in us. I'm gonna remove that and I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh. I'm gonna make you moldable so I can transform you. Now here's the plan and here's the promise, ready? And God says, and I will put my spirit in you. And I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God says, let me give you this promise, okay? I want you to understand something. That how I'm going to transform you is not by a list of rules that I give you and a religion to follow. It's going to be by a relationship that I'm going to move inside of you and transform you from the inside out through what the Bible calls God's Holy Spirit. The key to transformation, I want you to see this, is not trying harder. It's not lists and rules of do's and don'ts in religion. God says, what I am going to actually do is I'm going to take my spirit, move inside of you, and move you and transform you from the inside out. By the way, that's the difference between religion and a relationship. One is external, do this, and you'll be okay. And the other one is internal. God goes, no, I want to do this in you. Now, so today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit is God's plan and, and once again promise to transform your life. Before we do this, because this is like a class, right, and it's foundational, I want us to understand, so who is the Holy Spirit? Like, what is that? What is, what is the Spirit, right? Because sometimes we, we look at life, we can understand certain things, but the Spirit is something that can be complicated. But let me explain it like this. Every one of you believe that you are more than flesh and bones, Right? Every one of you have a belief system that you are not simply a bunch of neurons firing in a brain. You're not just flesh and bones and blood. That there's a part of you that is actually you. That one day when your body dies, your spirit will live on forever and ever and ever. And every time we go to a funeral, what do we say? They're not there. Why? Because they're not there. Because the Bible actually teaches us that we are, we are spiritual beings eternally that live temporarily in a body. That's who we are. And so the spirit is actually who you are are in the absence of your body and the absence of your flesh. Now listen to what I want you to understand. God also has a spirit. And once again, the Bible calls him the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of things I want us to understand about this aspect of God. And the, and the first thing I want us to understand about God's spirit is God's spirit is a being. He is God. He is a person, if you will. He is not just a force. See, sometimes we, we call the Holy Spirit it. 
No, it's not an it. He's a he in the Bible. Every time the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a being, he's once again, he is God. I want you to see this. It means he, God has, the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a mind. He has emotions. He is real. In fact, I want you to look at this scripture verse. I want you to see this. And he says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. See, God, the Holy Spirit in you actually feels emotions by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Notice how he's described, a he. And I love what God's saying here. He's saying, hey, when I told you I'm gonna put my spirit in you, what I want you to understand, it's not some like the universe, or we hum and we, you know, come new age thought of some crystals in the universe and a force that we can't describe. No, he is God, he is a being. By the way, he has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions, and because he's in relationship with you, listen to this, you can actually bring him sorrow. Did you know that? by the choices we make in our lives. Now once again, not condemnation, he loves us, but we can actually make him sad, we can make him glad, we can bring him joy, because he is God, and what the Bible tells us is that God says he's gonna move him inside of you to transform you. Now the second thing I want us to understand about this God is that when God moves in you, we also get access once again to his wisdom, to his presence, and his power. In fact, in the Old Testament, every once in a while, you would actually see the authors where temporarily God's Spirit would come upon someone and they would get a little bit of glimpse of the power of God. In fact, Samson, the strongest man that ever lived, notice what the Bible says about him. That the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, that Samson, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Like I want to, so when we talk about God's moving in you, I want you to understand, it's the person of God. It's God himself who has a mind, a will, emotions, and power. And what God is saying is, hey, the key to your transformation is that my spirit, with, a, with, with my power, with my DNA, with my presence, with my wisdom, is going to move inside of you and transform you, give you a new heart and a new spirit to help you once again become who God created you to be. And so all the way throughout the scriptures, God says, this has always been my plan. This is a promise I'm going to make you. And this is why, listen to this, this is part of the reason why Jesus came, was to make it a reality that God's presence actually moves from the temple where it dwelt, his spirit, to inside of you. And you see this over and over again. Remember, this is the foundation of our faith of understanding. How do I experience the transformation? How do I become who God created me to be? And notice how over and over and over again, it goes to Jesus bringing the ability of God's Spirit to move in you. In fact, John the Baptist, who made the way, who kind of was the announcement of Jesus coming on the scene, because in that culture, kings were always sent ahead of kings. A messenger was sent to say, hey, get ready. Someone special is coming to town. And notice what John says Jesus is going to do. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, Jesus, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Notice what he said Jesus is going to do. He goes, I baptize, simply immerse you with water, but Jesus will immerse you or baptize you with 
the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus comes on the scene, 700 years before, hey, I'm gonna give you my spirit, move in you. John the Baptist comes in, Jesus is coming. He's about to fulfill the promise that God has made to us to transform you. He's gonna make it available that you can actually have God's spirit immerse, fill your body. Notice what Jesus also says to his disciples, right? He's talking about the same thing. And I love how Jesus describes God's spirit living in you. He says this, but the helper, and we'll define that a little bit, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he is gonna teach you all things, remember he's wise, and, he, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you, and I love the next one, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. God says, Jesus, listen, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you're gonna have access to God's peace. By the way, does anybody need some peace in their life right now? And I love what Jesus says, you know who can be the source of that peace? God's Spirit in you. But I love the way Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. He uses the word here, helper. Now, that word helper in the Greek is actually the word parakletos, and it actually means a specific role that a person would play in someone's life. Um, we would call them an advocate or a comforter. And, and, and in looking at this word, I love this word, because um, we, we're actively involved in, in foster care here at Journey. And, and we're one of the leading churches in our county that, that does it. And we just, by the way, any of you that are doing that and opening your home for those children, we are so proud of you. If you need anything, we want to be there for you. Um, what a great honor and a privilege it is for us as a church to be a part of children when they're at their lowest point and they need someone. I love that our church and all the families in our church open up their homes and are there for these kids. But what's interesting in, in, in being a part of foster care, and I sit on a, a lead team that helps you know, deal with it in the county as well. Um, one, one of the things I love about that is that our government has actually understood that when this child is in this position and their parents aren't there for them because of different reasons and they don't have anyone there to protect for them, you know what they do? They provide this word, the advocate for them. And the advocate's role, I want you to see this, is when that child comes out of that broken circumstance, their advocate's sole responsibility is, hey, you gotta look out for that child. You gotta comfort that child when they're going through difficult times. You gotta speak up for that child, right? And make sure that they are taken care of and the system doesn't let them go. And your main role is to help this child overcome and walk through all the hardships. And you are there to be their helper, to be their advocate, to be the comforter. And this is the word that Jesus uses of the Holy Spirit. He says, what, what, what God is gonna do when he moves in you, by the way, it's not judgment, it's not beat you up, remind you how bad you are. No, what God is gonna do when he moves inside of you with his spirit is actually help you, transform you, comfort you, be your advocate, speak up for you, help you become everything that God created you to be. In fact, God's spirit in you is so powerful and so impactful and important that Jesus actually went to the disciples one day and said, it's better that I leave you because only after I leave you can I actually send you the Holy Spirit. In other words, that God's presence in you is actually more powerful to transform you than walking alongside of Jesus. And I want us to understand this because all throughout the scripture, God's always saying the same thing. I'm going to change you, not by you trying harder, not by a list of rules, but actually I'm gonna move my presence, my DNA inside of you. Now, here's the problem. Here's why Jesus was so necessary and essential. Because as much as God's spirit is the plan, is the promise, is the solution, the problem is, is that we're sinners and God is holy. 
And what we learned last week is that God's spirit can't be with sinful man. In fact, that every time that God would ordain building one of his temples, God would actually tell the people to build this back space of the temple. It was called the most holy place. And it literally was the place that God's spirit would dwell, and then God would command them to construct a two-inch thick curtain from top to bottom that would separate God's Holy Spirit from the rest of the world. And so here you have the solution to your transformation, all the things that you need to be who God created you to be. The problem is that God's Spirit has separated you. Why? Because you're a sinner. Because there's something broken in your relationship with God. By the way, that's why Jesus died. And that's why Jesus gave his life, because part of his mission was to forgive us of our sins so we could enter into this relationship with God so God's spirit could move from the temple in you. In fact, notice what happens. A lot of people miss this. I want you to see this. When Jesus went to the cross, I want you to understand this principle. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I want you to notice the very moment that Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could enter into a new covenant. What is the very next thing in all of human history that happens? The moment he breathes his last, what does God do? At that moment, the curtain of the temple that what separated God's spirit from you was torn in two from top to bottom. Understand, what is God saying? God's saying all the way through time, I've been promising you that God's spirit would be the key to transforming your life, his power, his DNA, but your sin separated you. So when my son paid for that sin once and for all, the very moment that was done, I removed the barrier of God's spirit so he could dwell inside of you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. I want you to see, this is central. This is foundational. When, when, when the first church was going out there, they were telling everybody this. They understood this. We need to understand this. That salvation always precedes the presence of God in you. That you don't have the presence of God in you if you don't have salvation. In fact, look at what the scripture says. This is why Jesus dying on the cross was so essential. Peter replied, each of you, the, the question of asked, what must I do to be saved? And here's what Peter says. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is what we looked at last week. Notice the promise that after you get saved, what happens? Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I want you to see. Listen to this. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away, that's you, all who have been called by the Lord our God. I want you to say, because let me tell you something. Hey, let me, let, me, let me tell you God's plan. The first is the covenant of salvation we looked at last week. The very next thing that happens is as soon as you go, hey God, uh, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I, I confess that. I acknowledge that. The moment that happens, the sin is, your sin is forgiven. And then immediately God's spirit begins to move inside of you. Do you see the heart and the promise? This is why Jesus is so essential. This is why there's no other way to God. Because nobody else paid for your sins. And you don't have the Spirit of God in you if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Some of you, listen, there might be some of you here that may be watching online. And, and you wonder why, why can't I get this right? Why don't I have the power to change? What's wrong with me? Can I tell you something? Until you surrender your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God, the key to your transformation, He is not inside of you. 
This is why we celebrate. It's not just about getting to heaven. I want you to hear this. It's about giving God the ability in your life here and now to transform you so you can walk in the power that God has for you. For too long, the church has been there yelling at people going, you got to get your life right. You got to change. You got to do this. No, no, no. You need to surrender your life to Jesus so God's spirit moves in you. And then you have the power and the ability to change through God's spirit. Because it's always been his plan. Now, here, here's the thing I want to just walk through a moment. Some of you may be like, okay, that's great. So uh, I gave my life to Jesus. God's spirit moved in me. I kind of understand how it all works now. But here's my struggle. Why am I still messed up? <laughs> why, 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 why am I still struggling? To which I would say, what, you're not perfect? What's wrong with you? I mean, you've got God's spirit in you. And here's the answer to that question. I, I love this, right? Because this is, this is where a lot of times we leave it. Hey, yeah, you gave your life to Christ, you're a Christian, and we just stop there. But here's what I want you to understand about this, and we're going to explain why it is you still struggle. We're going to explain how it is to overcome those struggles, and we're going to explain how this all works. And once again, I want you to understand this, because it might seem confusing, and my heart is to bring clarity to it. Let me explain to you why. Because what you're going to discover is is that, yes, salvation is the key to forgiveness of sins, and then that allows God's Spirit to move in. But the process of transformation doesn't end at salvation. It actually begins. And this is what I want us to see today, and I want us to understand, and we're going to kind of give you a little example here in a moment, because once again, this is my heart of this series. I want you to get it. I, I, want, you to, I want you to understand it. And so the Bible actually teaches us why it is you're still a mess, why it is you believe in Jesus, and when I talked about your mess, your spouse elbowed you because they know you're a mess, right? This is why you struggle with things last night, and you messed up over and over again, and I want you to understand why it is that we're broken, and once again, we're going to look at the end of the two solutions that God's given you to help you through God's Spirit actually overcome that brokenness, and we'll get there in a minute. The first I want you to understand why you're still broken. Here's what the Bible says. So I say to you, you need to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, there's still a choice that you make. That when God moves in you, I want you to hear this, it's not what we would call a possession where he moves in and we don't have control. God moves in, but we still have to make the choice to let him guide or to lead our lives. And here's what he says. Remember, the heartbeat of this message is, of what he's talking about in this verse, how do you experience transformation? Why are you still struggling? So he says, let the Holy Spirit guide or lead your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, right? Those, those part of you last week, right? The lust, the anger, the unforgiveness, the selfishness, the selfish ambition, the jealousy, the, the, um, uh, the uh, insecurities, the uh, anxiety, all of these things. He goes, for the sinful nature, I want you to see this, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature, who we are, desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. In other words, here's what I want you to see. Why am I still struggling? Here's why. Because now you have two natures in you. See, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, what happened is, yes, God's spirit moved in you, and his nature is in you, but guess whose nature is also in you? Your nature. Who you were. Those struggles and those addictions. 
those past hurts that are still there, that, that, that wrong way of processing and thinking and maybe negativity or criticism and, and maybe the way you were raised and how that's impacted you, the generational impacts of the, the faults and the issues of your parents that have now passed down to you. See, the reality is what happens in salvation is you now have a battle between your nature and God's nature and they both want control. By the way, this is why, this is, this is why sometimes um, you might be reading the Bible or hearing a pastor teach and you go, I, I don't like what he said. I, 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 just don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. that I, just, I just hate, why? Because your nature is battling against God's nature. And what Paul says here is I want you to sense why are you still struggling? Let me tell you why you're still struggling. Is because now there are two natures buying for or trying to lead your life. And what he's saying is you've got to choose that the Holy Spirit lead your life if you want to experience his power. Now, for some of you to go, well, I don't know if I want to struggle. I'm tired of fighting. Let me help you understand what God is trying to do. When I say that there's a battle raging within you, what I want you to understand, you know what you want, kind of selfish. You want your own way. You want to do what you feel and follow your feelings and stuff like that, right? But what is God wanting to do? Because too often in life, what we've done in the church is go, hey, God wants to make you holy and miserable. <laughs> like all you gotta do, you, you better obey the Lord or you're going to hell and you're gonna be miserable all the way to get there, but one day you get in heaven and you're gonna be okay. But listen to this. I want you to understand what God wants to do in you because it's not to control you for control's sake. And, and, and it's not to, to make you miserable and, and rule your life in that way. Notice the fruit of what God wants to do, because this is what the Apostle Paul says next. I want you to see this. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. What is God wanting to do? Please, I want you to hear this. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to produce in your life love, joy, peace that surpasses understanding. He wants to give you patience. Any parents, homeschoolers? <laughs> Every married person, sorry. Um, he wants to make you kind. He wants to help you become good. He wants you to be the kind of person that is faithful and does what they say, a person of integrity. He wants you to be gentle when other people fail. And ultimately, he wants to give you self-control. He wants to give you the power to overcome everything in your life that's harmful to you. I want you to do you understand, listen to this, do you understand the work of the Holy Spirit? Because what God is saying to you is, I'm going to move, and by the way, these are my, God's characteristic, I'm going to move inside of you to try to get into leadership so I can produce all of these incredible things in your life, in your emotions, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your relationships, in all of these things. And this is the battle, listen to this, between you and God. So let me explain this maybe in a more practical way if I can. So imagine for a moment, um, this is you. Right? You're a vessel, right? You container. And so imagine for a moment that these ping pong balls actually represent like your sinful nature, right? Who we are. And so I'm looking out in the crowd. I know some of you, okay, I know you, you're struggling with pride right there. Well, there's a lot less. I'm just going to that's two ping pong balls for lust over here, all right? Some of you are battling unforgiveness. You just, you, you can forgive yourself, but you can't let go of what that person did to you right there. Some of you are struggling with, ooh, I see anxiety right over there. It's a big one. So you're like, anxiety is a sin? That makes me anxious. Yeah, it does. The Bible says, don't be anxious, right? So here we go. You've got a little anxiety right here. Some of you over here, you're selfish. That's right, over there. Man, some of you are lying right now. You, I know you're, you're twisting truth to make you look good and other people look bad. There you go. You got a little sinful nature uh, right in here. And I could just keep going, right? On and on and us, lust, greed, all these things. And so what happens is the Bible would say, this is who we are. 
right? This is why we needed Jesus to rescue us because we have all of these natural desires in us and we can't get our life right. We can't fix ourselves. We don't have the power. And so what do we do? We go to the covenant of salvation and we go to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and brokenness. And what happens is we make him our Lord and Savior and what happens immediately? Well, immediately, imagine for a moment, this water represents the Spirit of God. The moment that happens, God begins to pour himself out in us. And now as you begin to look at us, here's what we are. We are both a mixture of God nature and our nature. See the principle? And this is why we battle, and this is why we struggle, is because we are not all broken, and we are all not all God. We are two natures battling with each other, and sometimes these things flow out, and they hurt, and they wound, and sometimes God flows out and helps us. So here's the question I wanna deal with today. How do we, with two natures in us, get to the point in our lives where the Holy Spirit's leading? where the Holy Spirit's flowing out of us and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness become who we are and what we do. And I told you there are two answers and we're gonna give those two today. Because everything else we've talked about so much is about what God has done. Jesus paved the way for the Holy Spirit. God developed the plan. God gave you the promise. But what I wanna teach you now is this is the part of the process of transformation that you and I play. This is why some of you are saved, but you're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And you go, hey, I mean, so he's in me. Why, don't, why am I not different? Why am I not feeling different? Why am I not doing things differently? Why has there not been change? And the answer really is there are two responsibilities that God gives us to make sure that we experience the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. And here's the first one, and it's found um, in the book of, once again, Galatians, the same chapter. And here's the answer. And it's really simple, and yet at the same time, it's really hard. And here it is. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, right, letting God lead us, let us follow or obey the Spirit's leading, and here's the key statement we miss, and what's that word? Say it out loud, everybody every part of our lives, right? This is the problem. Too many people make religious religion about Sunday morning. And what Paul is saying to us about the Holy Spirit is, no, if you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to let him be in charge of every area of your life, your Mondays, not just your Sundays. In fact, so here's, if you're taking notes, here's the first one I want you to see, and that's this. Here's the first thing you have to do. You have to choose to surrender leadership to the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. Now, can I tell you something? This is hard. Like, I love coming up here and talking about it. I wish I could say, oh, yeah, just do that. It's so easy. No, 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 no. I want to control my life. I want to follow my feelings. I want to do what's best, for I think, for me, and I want to do what I feel like doing. So when you talk about surrendering leadership, and by the way, for you control freaks, control of your own life, this is hard to do. It is. But can I tell you something? It's essential if you want God to move in you. The only way you're going to let the Holy Spirit begin to lead your lives is surrendering the control to him. So what does that mean, letting him lead? It's really simple. It simply means doing what God's Spirit tells you to do. Now, for those of you who go, um, sometimes that can be God's voice. God can speak to you. By the way, in January, we're going to do a three-week series on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to teach you more about how to hear God's voice. Um, but, but God can speak, right? He's a being. He is God. He is in you. He can lead you. He can communicate. And sometimes what happens is you'll just get a thought, and you know what the right thing to do is. That's the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying, do you want to experience the Holy Spirit's power and transformation? You've got to listen to him. You've got to do what he says to do. 
The other thing is the scriptures. You know, the Bible tells us that all of the scripture is actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is writing through these men and women to write or writing these scriptures out, what's happening is when you're listening, here's what the Bible tells me to do. Don't the sun go down on my anger, all right? I'm really upset, but I got 24 hours to have that conversation. What are you doing? You're letting the Holy Spirit lead all areas of your life. See, your relationships. It means, okay, here's sex, sexuality, and how I date. Well, I know what I want. I know what my desires are. I know how I feel. But God, what does your spirit teach me on the boundaries and, and how you've created sex and sexuality to be? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to surrender all areas of my life. For those of you dating, I know this is encouraging, right? It's tough, right? But it's a surrendering of that. It means, hey, when it comes to my time, God's word tells us, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. You need a day of week to do what you're doing right now, being filled with God's Spirit, learning about God. And so what are you doing? Okay, God, you've told me to do this. I'm doing what you told me to do. So you understand? See, sometimes we make things so spiritual that we take some of the practicality out. What Paul is saying in this verse is really simple. It means that God wants to be in control, and you surrender all of the decisions, your thoughts, your values, your dating, your money, your schedule, your priorities, how you run your business, how you treat your employees, everything in your life, you're going, God, here's what. I want you to actually lead my life. So I'm going to surrender control to you. Now, some of you are like, well, doesn't that just sound like disobeying the law? No, and here's why. Let me tell you some very big differences between the two. One is, um, religion would say in the old way was you need to obey God for you to be okay with God. And if you don't disobey God, then God leaves you. He rejects you because of your sin, and there you are. Listen, this is the opposite of that. See, one thing about God's spirit is we're told he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a seal that God put in you that through the failures, even when you choose not to let him lead, his presence will never, ever leave you. I'm not saying obey this to earn God's love. God loves you unconditionally. I'm not saying you obey this to get saved. No, that's through faith what Jesus did. I'm not saying this to get God's presence. No, God's presence is always with you. But here's what I am saying. I am saying that you need to obey and, and, and surrender control of the Holy Spirit. Why? Be, because it is about his power. See, all through what Paul is saying is if you really want to be transformed, you're going to have to surrender to this to let God lead you. And when you do that, he actually will transform you. In fact, there's this verse in the scripture that I think is so powerful. Because so often in the world, we so struggle with the difference between this religion and this relationship with God and his spirit and his son that he loves us unconditionally. But I want us to understand, for some of you that are still holding on to a sin in your life, and you're going, I'm not going to bring that area of my life into surrender. Can I tell you something? God still loves you, but here's what I want you to understand about that consequence to that choice. Here's what it is. Look at this verse. Do not quench the Spirit. Remember we learned earlier, don't grieve the Holy Spirit? In other words, what I want you to understand is this. When you choose to go, God, I'm not going to surrender that area of my life. I'm going to control it. I can't give it to you. What you, what you have to understand is there's no condemnation, absolutely not. God's forgiven you and loves you. But there is an essence of we take the power of God and we make him smaller in our lives and less, less influence. In other words, the cost to your sin may not be judgment and it may not be condemnation, but it is experiencing the control and the power and the beauty of God's spirit in your life. Have you ever wondered why the first time you struggled with sin, you may have felt guilt you felt wrong, and you, there's this loud voice going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Change this, don't do this. But have you ever noticed how you continue to do that after a while? Doesn't that voice get quieter? I mean, I heard from other people who struggle with sin. 
But you know what happens? And doesn't it get easier and easier to do that sin and harder and harder to stop do that sin? Why, what's happening? See, you, see, you, you give in control to this nature and you've weakened in God's nature. And I love what, 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 what is spoken here because this is the relationship. The relationship doesn't leave. God doesn't leave you. He never forsakes you. He loves you. Even. Read Luke 15 about the prodigal son. They say, it isn't God going, okay, like, you're gone. No, I, I love you. I'm there. You're present. But what I want you to understand, it's about control. And there's so many of you wondering, God, why can't I get my life right? I don't understand why, my, why I keep having problems in this area and problems in that area and problems there. Have you ever stopped to think that you've never surrendered control of all areas of your life to the Holy Spirit? And so you're making your own business choices, your relationship choices, your sexuality choices. You're making all the own choices of your life, and then you're expecting God to handle the outcomes. And he says, no, that's not the way it works. No, you, what you need to do is you need to let the Holy Spirit lead all areas of your life. And by the way, when you begin to do that, let me tell you something. Listen, the opposite happens. You don't have, what you'll find is that nature that was in you begins to get weaker and the God that's in you gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Some of you know this, right? Because you've walked down this road and as you've surrendered over time, it was so hard. It's getting easier and easier and easier. But not just the power of God in your life, listen to this, but the outcome of your life, the destiny of your life. All of a sudden, by surrendering my relationships, my finances, my schedule, my business, God, it's all yours. Who's taking the responsibility of your life? God's spirit who knows all things is not navigating the direction of your life. And so the first thing if you're taking notes that we've got to understand is, do you want to experience the power and the presence of God just ruling your life? Do you want him to navigate all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, heavenly Father to determine your outcomes? It starts with surrendering the leadership in all areas of your life to the God that's in you, his will, not your will. Now, here's the second part. I want us to get this. Here's why. Because if you don't get the second part right, you're never going to have the strength to do the first part. And they're together, and I want you to see this. And the second part is found in a verse. Um, there we go. There we go. And here's what it is. Apostle Paul, once again, teaching us on the Holy Spirit. And he gives us a second key to experiencing the power of transformation. And the power of God is peace, love, joy in your life. And here's what he says, right? The first is surrender. Here's the second part. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What is God's will for your life? And here's what it is, remember? This is part of surrendering. This means God's in leadership of your life if you do this next thing. And here's what he says. Do not get drunk on wine. Doesn't say there's something wrong with drinking. He says don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, a messed up, bad choices in life. We all know that. But here's the command. Here's the second part. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You were taking notes. The second thing that we've got to take responsibility is this. We've got to choose to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that can be confusing. Let me help you under, understand that like this. Um, first of all, he's speaking to Christians who have God's Spirit in them. And what he's saying to people who God's Spirit is in them is that you need to make the choice and the decision in your life to actually fill or consume the Spirit of God. Now, how, let me explain this once again. I, I, sometimes um, spiritual things can feel complicated. I want to try to simplify it. Um, and so what is the example that Paul uses? He says, don't get drunk with wine. Don't consume the wine. Because that will, when you, what you're filling up in your body is actually impacting the choices you make, correct? And so he uses this example for a reason, right? Like, how many of you know, like, how do you fill yourself with wine? How do you get drunk, if you will? Most of you are like, I can raise my hand for that one. Uh, <laughs> I 
But what do you what do you do? You're consuming. And for those of you that understand that lifestyle or in that, but what are you, you're going to a club, you're going to a bar, you're friends, what are you doing? And you're drinking and you're drinking and you're consuming and you're consuming and what's happening? What you're filling up your body with is now impacting your values, your choices, the decisions, and the outcome of your life. All right, so what is the Apostle Paul saying? Well, in the same way that you used to do that, you need to focus on filling or consuming with God's Spirit. See, it's a choice we make. So how do we do this? Let's make it simple. It's really simple. Here's the first one I'm going to give you. Take notes. It, it's, it's the Bible. We, we talked about this earlier, like, that all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. When you're reading God's Word, what are you doing? You're filling within your senses God's Spirit. So you're consuming God's values, His nature, who He is, how He loves you, His wisdom. What are you doing? You're choosing to make the choice to go, hey, it's not just Netflix. It's not just whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to consume God's Spirit by consuming His Word. That's the first one. What about worship, right? See, worship, God says that he inhabits, his spirit inhabits the praises of his people. See, it's not just songs we sing. It's not just buying people time who are late to get here in time for the message. Through worshiping God, you're actually filling your heart, your mind, and your soul with his presence and his spirit. By the way, um, this is why as you're there, you're, what are you doing? You're speaking out the truth of scriptures, which is what worship is based upon. You're taking your senses, reminding yourself of who he is, his nature, his character. You're filling yourself with God's spirit. This is why almost every morning of the week we wake up, I have that on in our house. It's why I put it on for my kids, even though they're young and they don't always get it and they'd rather listen to country music. I want them to understand how to consume and to fill themselves with his spirit. And it's his word and it's worship. And by the way, here's another one. It's prayer. It's prayer. This is, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, Philippians 4 says this, meditate on these things. Like you need to focus your mind on everything that is God and who he is and his spirit and his value. And then it says, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will actually guard your heart and your mind. See, what as you begin to listen to this, consume the spirit of God, then what begins to happen is his nature begins to fill you up. Here's the best way to, to kind of explain this. And I want you to see this, right? So imagine for your moment, right, this is you. And as you begin to take your spirit and then you begin to fill up, what is happening? More of God. What is coming out? The sinful nature. And little by little, little by little, this, one, this one's a stubborn one. See what the Apostle Paul saying? As you consume God, as you fill yourself, what's going to happen is you're going to be more like this and less with all of that. And then what's going to happen is the power of the Holy Spirit is going to transform who you are. This is why this is, there's too many of you trying to do the first one without doing the second one. There's too many of us going, hey, God, oh, I just want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. God, I want to submit to the Holy Spirit, but I can't. I messed up again. I messed up. Why? Because what you're not doing is taking the time to strengthen yourself, to remind yourself, to fill your mind, to meditate was pure and holy. And so what's happening is you're trying to surrender to the Holy Spirit, but you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is why the Apostle Paul goes, you've got to keep on doing this. You've got to keep on being filled with the Spirit because that's the key for your transformation. It's not about trying harder. <coughs> it's about surrendering more. It's about being filled more with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. One last thing I wanted to share um, before we go into this. I was, um, last week, was sitting in the mountains of Colorado with my wife, wondering why I live in South Florida. <laughs> and every year um, after the craziness of August and September of everything happening in church, we try to take four days and just for our marriage and we just go up there and have a, a wonderful time. 
And I was literally sitting on the porch, uh, looking out at the mountains, um, praying for you guys. I knew what I was talking about, and I just in my heart was like, God, I just want them to get this. I, I remember in my own life, for, for so long, I, I, tried, I tried so hard to get it right and never could because I wasn't surrendering to God's Spirit, and I wasn't um, being filled. I wasn't p- putting myself in the environments to experience that. And I always felt like a failure, never good enough, because I wasn't doing the two things that God had really called me to do. And I know that there's so many of you right now, whether it's a Boynton or, and this is your life. And, and, and my heart was like, God, I know you want to change them. And I know you love them in their brokenness, but you just want so much more for them. And I just was praying, like, God, I just want them to get this a lot sooner than it took me to get. And it literally was, it was an emotional time for me. And in that moment, I just started listing out, God, what are, what are some of the things, what are, what are some of the things that your spirit wants to do in you, that God's spirit wants to do in you? And I wrote them out here, and you can actually take a um, picture of this if you want. But, uh, but uh, there's a couple words here I have highlighted. Actually, they, didn't, they took the highlight out, but we'll fix that for second service. Um, there's a couple words here I have highlighted that I want you to understand, and I want you to get when it comes to this. And I want you to get this. Please understand this. Because here's what the Holy Spirit actually wants to do in you. See, the Holy Spirit gives you value. And I put the verse in there. Why? Baba says that you're, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to see with this. The creator of the universe chose to dwell inside of you, which makes you the most holy place on earth. I don't care what your dad or your mom or your boss or your ex said about you. I don't care what you look in the mirror and see. If the Holy Spirit of God is in you because you gave your life to Jesus, you're valuable. You have value and worth. The Holy Spirit gives you companionship. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He dwells and lives in you. Which means when you walk through that divorce, when you walk through the bankruptcy, when you walk through the brokenness, the kids that's in rebellion, the depression, the anxiety, that God is always with you, even in the valleys of your life. He gives you companionship. The Holy Spirit gives you a personal advocate. Remember we talked about that? he's, He's your comforter. He's your helper. He's there for you in the times that you need Him to help you in anything that you face in your life. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. He knows all truth. He can give you the ability to understand things in the future that you don't. He can help you navigate and make choices beyond your understanding. The Holy Spirit gives you power. Like, He gives you the ability to overcome the things in your life that have held you for so long. And no matter what your mom struggled with or generationally has been part of your family, no matter what the addiction is or the bondage or whatever it is you're battling, the Holy Spirit actually can give you the power to overcome because it says the same power that is Christ in the dead is in you and that same power will bring life to your broken bodies. The Holy Spirit gives you authority. You know you have authority over the enemy. The spiritual world is real and he is roaming around like a hungry lion to destroy you and your family. But because the Holy Spirit is in you, greater is he that is in you that is in the world, the Bible teaches us, you have authority over the enemy. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts. We're gonna talk more about that in January. And the Holy Spirit gives you peace, joy, and love. God's plan And God's promise has always been the same. His spirit in you is the key to transforming your life. You just have to make the choice to walk through the process. It's not overnight. You're not going to get it right all the time. Walk through the process of slowly going, God, I'm going to give you leadership in everything in my life. And I'm going to keep creating opportunities for me and my family to be filled with your spirit through his word, through his worship, and through prayer. 
And together with these things, God's spirit can transform you into who you always have wanted to be to overcome all of the brokenness of your life and to actually be transformed, as we love to say here, to live and love like Jesus, not through trying harder, but by surrendering more and filling yourself more with God's spirit. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your spirit. And thank you so much for knowing we couldn't do it on our own and for moving inside of us to transform who we are. I'm so grateful for your spirit, God. May we continue to cultivate this relationship and learn more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.